Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing To All the Boys, Always and Forever. Always and Forever, Lara Jean, was written by Jenny Han and published in 2017. And the film adaptation, which came out in 2021 on Netflix, was directed by... <clears throat> Do your best. My- Michael Feminari? Feminari. I'm guessing the G's silent. <laughs> Michael Feminari. <laughs> nice. Thank you. I nailed it. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, so this is the third in the To All the Boys series. Mm-hmm. Um, they all have had various titles, um, so that's why it was a little confusing at the beginning there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of titles, yeah. let's just get this out of the way. First and foremost, they're out of order. Yes, because if you were writing a letter, yeah. you start with two, uh-huh. and it did, and then you would end with like the kind of sincerely, or in this case, it's the always and forever, yeah. Lara Jean, and then you would do a PS. The postscript. Comes after you sign off. Yeah. yeah, so it's out of order. Now, to be fair, we read in the acknowledgments that the author had not planned on writing a third book yeah so she kind of screwed herself by titling the second one that yeah and kind of cutting herself because i mean she could have done pps (laughs) she could (laughs) have it sounds dumb but that is technically letter formality yeah (laughs) (laughs) she honestly could have just swapped the second and third titles yeah like they don't really mean anything no in fact psi Still love you fits maybe more with this yeah book yeah than the second one so mm-hmm. but uh, obviously it was unplanned uh, still bothers me a little bit <laughs> <laughs> it does it does bother me a little bit too <laughs> another thing that we wanted to talk about in this book um, in this third book it, the author kind of clears up how to pronounce the main character's name because when she's at graduation, the principal mispronounces her name and she tells him so. So on stage, on stage, in she's front like, of everyone. "You mispronounce her." I don't think they could hear her. Um, but her name is Lara Jean, and Lara is pronounced like you would pronounce "car." So it's Lara Cara mm-hmm. Jean, not Laura. Yeah. So it is very faint and it might even sound like Laura, Lara is very different. But when you kind of combine it with a a different name, like Laura Jean. Yeah. Laura Jean, Laura Jean. Like it's so. It's so subtle and quick. Yeah. I like was genuinely kind of confused when I read that part of the book. Yeah. She's like, you said Laura, L-A-U-R-A, not Lara, L-A-R-A. And I was like wait what and <laughs> i was like in my head i was like sitting there like mouthing and i'm like Laura, 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 Laura. <laughs> yeah and then other people might pronounce it like lara i don't know if that's wrong I-, I would imagine that this is something like the author like noticed people were like saying it yeah how- and felt the need to correct yeah didn't the harry potters do that with hermione yes yeah, yeah. one of the books later mm-hmm. it's like in the fourth book she- yeah because people were saying like Hermione or something. Yeah. (laughs) So let's start uh, this discussion by uh, going over kind of how the book begins. Yeah. Which will be easy. It's a soft beginning. (laughs) (laughs) It really just nudges you little by little 
through remembering kind of what happened previously. Yeah, it's recapping a lot. And it's also kind of letting us know that it's been about a year since the last book. So more time has passed, whereas the second book kind of picked up where the first one left off. Yeah, I really couldn't remember. Like, it kind of reminds you at some point where, you know, the last book had ended. Yeah. I think she mentions she hadn't talked to John Ambrose in blank number of months. Yeah. Uh, but I couldn't remember, like, were they seniors last book or not? No. So yeah. it's been a year. And so it's sort of a lot of recap. It's very much like, oh, Peter and I are, like, still super in love. And it's also letting us know that um, Lara Jean's dad and their next door neighbor, Miss Rothschild, are dating. And LJ, Lara Jean... Uh, calls Miss Rothschild Trina now. Yes. Because she's sort of becoming part of the family. So letting us know how that's going. And in theory, this is all fine, but it just like goes on for a long time. And it's not just recapping. It's just sort of like the day to day of Lara Jean's senior year. Like we hear a lot about like, oh, Peter and I are waiting on our college acceptances and I'm trying to bake the perfect cookie. And literally, God, I just want to tell you cookies. that she, in one portion of the book, the author is detailing how Lara Jean is thinking about the best way to pack her toiletries for college. She's like, in the book, actively considering it. Yeah. And that is... Fit to be included in the novel, Ian. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much like that where, I don't know, it's like the cookie thing. Like, I I get that you could tie this into a metaphor for Laura Jean wanting everything to kind of be perfect and, like, striving to make sure everything's great, but, like, her struggle with that. Yeah. But the problem is there's, like, at least two, probably three of those metaphors in the story. And yeah. it's just, like, I don't I don't need to know about the cookies and the crispiness and the flour <laughs> and how you bake them in the wax paper. Like, <laughs> it's just, there's a lot of things in this story that are very, very detail-focused. Yeah, and especially at the beginning, it just kind of feels like a list of things that are happening, not mm-hmm. necessarily, like, a plot. You know, we're hearing about... Oh, this party that I went to with Peter. Oh, um, this cookie like recipe that I'm trying. Oh, it's like spirit week and we dress up at school. Like it's just a series of events. It's not necessarily anything that's actually like gripping you or or actively going on, honestly. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it just kind of like it goes that way for quite a while. And then it's also very much about how her and Peter are still in love and are still the best couple. And I'm like, okay, this is book three. Like, the love should be toned down. Yeah. I mean, okay, look, I get the genre. I'm not trying to be like... (laughs) Stop love. Yeah. Stop all love. I know I understand the audience for this book, so I accept it to a degree. Yeah. But it does start to wear a little bit as well. Yeah, and I just want to read a passage from the book. This is actually much later in the book, but it does kind of, like, illustrate Peter and Lara Jean's, like, very idealistic, like love, I guess, or how large he views it. So um, this is when Peter has gone away for like a sports trip. Um, Is this what the future looks like? It'll be different when I have classes and a schedule of my own. But for now, it feels like I'm standing on top of a lighthouse waiting for my love ship to come in. For a romantic kind of person, it's not an altogether unpleasant feeling. Not for now, anyway. 
It'll be different when it's not so novel anymore, when not seeing him every day is the new normal. But for now, just for now, longing is its own kind of perverse delight. And I mean, think, I think the image of her like standing on a lighthouse, probably like in a flowy dress, like the wind whipping her hair is like funny, but I don't really think the novel is meaning for it to come off as funny. And I think that's the key difference between the books and the film is that the film is just as cheesy, but it kind of knows that and leans yeah. into it, you know? Yeah, and it's really... And that's one of the things where, like, it's so hard to pinpoint because I understand how the movie's able to do that with its yeah. visuals, with its, like, performances, with, like, the song cues and that kind of thing. Um, but as far as the book goes, it's really hard to say why it just doesn't feel quite right. But like you said, it doesn't feel as self-aware. No, and it feels very dramatic. And it kind of reminds me of like that Twilight type of taking itself too seriously yeah. thing where you're just cringing because it's just so uncomfortable. And it feels like the the characters and the author is unaware of how like lame it is, you know? Yeah, and it's... It's also it's it's high school ish in a very accurate way. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is both like good, good <laughs> but also bad. <laughs> like, I, there, there are a few moments where like Laura Jean feels especially I, I don't know. There's a line at one point where she talks about Peter and like kind of always like getting him to do the things she wants. And like on, in one hand, it feels like. Oh, kind of flirty and fun or whatever. Yeah. But then she'll also say something like, oh, there's no feeling like having a boy wrapped around your finger. And I'm mm -hmm. like, whoa. And then at one point, and this is an actual quote from page 58, she says, this is two romantic things in a row. So I feel like I should praise him accordingly. The boy responds well to positive reinforcement. Ooh. Yeah. There are just times or like um later she in the book wants him to sign her yearbook, write him like she wants him to write her like a, a note in the back. Yeah. And he's like, OK. And then she just like hovers over him and is like, just write anything like just, you know, from the heart. And he's like, um, OK, OK. All right. And he's like trying to think of something. And then she's getting mad at him. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, come on. Like, I couldn't do that. I know. <laughs> It is a lot of pressure. It is. And so there's just like a lot of that internal stuff going on with Laura Jean too that can also be a little, it is it is accurate to high school, I think. It is. And I think this ties into something that I wanted to talk about later, but actually fits in better here, which is like the whole idea of the rom-com. Mm, yeah. Because rom-coms are really important in this book series. Like they're referenced a lot. They are. And I feel like especially in this book, there were a lot of references to classic rom-coms. So just a few of them are uh, 16 Candles. There's a scene in the book where um, Peter recreates the scene um, at the diner yeah. with the 16 Candles for her for her birthday. Um, Say Anything is referenced yes. in the film specifically. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think in the book as well. Um, Sleepless in Seattle is referenced when Peter... Uh, tries to do Lara Jean's promposal mm -hmm. with like leaving a bear. I don't know. I haven't seen Sleepless in Seattle. So I don't <laughs> I haven't know. either. I, that went over my head. <laughs> um, in the movie, Lara Jean at one point is watching Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann version. Yeah. Great rom-com. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, tragic romance. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's like a lot of films in general, but like you're right, specifically rom-coms are very prominent. Yeah, and like it's part of the movie too because it's such a big part of the book, but I feel like maybe it's a little not great to focus on for their characters and it made me a little like I kind of hesitated with it because like Largene talks about how they're kind of alternating on who gets to decide which movie to watch, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, but Largene is trying to get Peter to watch all these rom-coms with her. And she talks about like wanting him to like learn from the rom-coms. Oh, yeah. And like the fact that Peter recreates these scenes for Lara Jean, like for her birthday and for the promposal shows that like he thinks that's what she wants. But, like, honestly, I don't think people, maybe it's just me, I can't speak for everybody, but, like, I wouldn't really want someone to recreate a scene from a movie to do something romantic for me. Like, I would just want them to do something romantic for me. Yeah. And not to just recycle something from a film, And it's like, oh, it's a reference that you like. Yeah. And also, yeah, that's such a slippery slope, because, like, that's say anything. Yeah. Scene with the boombox is, like, iconic, but, like, the context of it within the film. Yeah. There's a part in the uh, in the movie of this adaptation that also references a film I want to talk about later that yeah. doesn't give context its due. But I forget what I was even saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Just, like, kind of these vague references and, like, I don't know. Is that really, are these really the characters we should be like looking up to? Yeah. And should you base your love on these films and how it's portrayed in these films? I think there's a funny line in the movie when they're watching a rom-com together and Lara Jean says something like, well, what is, what have you learned from romances because, or rom-coms? Cause she's talking about a meet cute oh, and yeah, how they need a yeah. meet cute. And he said, uh, always do grand gestures and it's okay to interrupt the wedding. And it's kind of funny. Like these are the things that like Peter yeah. has learned from watching these rom-coms, but like this idea of grand gestures always being important. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe they are to some people, but also like that, that can't like save a relationship and your relationship can't just be built on grand gestures and like nothing else. Yeah, no, for sure. It's like not good in that regard. I will say though, the irony is that the character of Peter Kavinsky in these stories I know. is actually a pretty good role model in terms of, like, relationships. Yeah. Like, really, in a lot of these rom-coms, not always, but a lot of times the characters can be, like, very problematic and, like, oh, controlling yeah. or manipulative and, like, it seems romantic Codependent. it's really not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but Peter Kavinsky is, like, a supportive boyfriend who's, like, there for her and he's, like... Uh, you know, he's not perfect. He has his yeah. flaws, but like it is ironic that like in the context of in the meta context, if you were to be doing what they're doing and take inspiration from this rom-com. Yeah. You could find a lot worse examples in Peter Kavinsky or Lara Jean. Yes. I just think it's very interesting that this whole series, books and movies, is so influenced by rom-coms while also being rom-coms. Yeah, (laughs) I agree. It's very meta. It is. (laughs) 
But getting back to the beginning of the story, the movie begins a lot differently. The movie drops us in Korea, where Lara Jean is spending spring break with her family and with Miss Rothschild, Trina. Yes. (laughs) Sorry, that was like really hard to say for some reason. (laughs) Miss Rothschild is a weird, it's a weird name. Yes. Uh, Yeah, no, this is a really, I really like that the film begins with this. Yeah. Because the Korea trip is something that is referred to by the end of the book. Yeah. Uh, We find out uh, Lara Jean's dad has planned this trip for them. And we never actually like get to go there or experience that trip at all in the book. No. So I appreciate that the movie starts this way because the films and the books have done a really good job throughout the series, not forgetting both their mother and their Korean heritage. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a good way to like, you know, reference those two things again in this Korea trip. Yeah, and also showing that their dad is really prioritizing their heritage and yeah. wanting wanting them to connect with that. And it was really great to see them all on a family trip and spending time together because Lara Jean's family is such a huge part of these stories. So getting to see them spend time together, they go to try to find this lock that their mom put on a bridge in Korea, um, which they do, and they end up recreating you know, the photo, and they put another lock there too. And it's the sweet moment where they're kind of remembering her while also moving on. And I think Miss Rothschild... Trina being there is significant in the fact that like this is also representing their dad moving on a bit, but still remembering their mom. Yeah. The beginning of the film also introduces this weird uh, kind of scene transition aesthetic in the film. Yeah. Where we begin with Laura Jean writing a letter and the room around her gets like drawn in like, you know, like it's hand drawn. Yeah. And I was expecting it to, like, kind of transition into, like, a real setting. But then it, like, stays that way. Yeah. I was like, okay, is this, like, a um, metaphorical space that she's in? Is she not even, like, actually writing a letter? Like, what's going on? And then, like, partway through, like, other characters walk in. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then it's, like, it's a real place. It's, like, a cafe in Korea. Yeah. That everything looks like it's hand-drawn. Like, it's white with, like, black edging. Yeah. I was like... Oh, okay. Like, that's very, that's weird. (laughs) Kind of cool, but like odd. Yeah. And then the movie continues to do these hand drawing transitions. And then it does the thing that I was expecting expecting. the first time where it kind of like fades in. Yeah. Uh, the, The only weird thing is, and I don't know if this is just like a streaming thing with Netflix, but like that last moment when it changes from drawing to real life when it, they go back to their house yeah or yeah. i mean like the last moments of whenever those transitions happen okay from drawing it like kind of does a little bit of a jump mm-hmm. a little bit of a jarring jump those last few frames feel like they were not there or something and it kind of like kind of snaps into reality yeah uh so i don't know it could have been a streaming thing but i felt like that was a little weird when it, it kept happening yeah and speaking of Their dad and Trina, um, their dad brings up the fact that he wants to propose to her. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we get to see it happen in both the book and the movie. In the book, they go on this hike and Kitty and Lara Jean are like hiding and like taking photos. And I'm like, this this seems like a disaster waiting to happen. I was genuinely so I was genuinely nervous in the book (laughs) because uh, at this point in the book, Lara Jean found out she didn't get into her college of choice. Yeah. And is like dealing with that. 
And I'm like, oh, my God, if the author's going for a theme of like not getting what you want in life and having to pivot. Oh, no. I was like, is the dad going to get turned down? Like, I was genuinely nervous that it was going to be like a mirroring. Of- I thought Kitty was going to like fall down a cliff or something <laughs> <laughs> trying to get like the best photo. They just built it up so much. And then like everyone's like hiding and waiting. And I was like, oh, no, this is going to go bad. But mm-hmm. it was it was fine. She says yes. it's fine. She says yes. Uh, it's really cute. They're planning their wedding together. Larjean gets way too invested in the wedding plan. Wedding planning. <laughs> <laughs> in the book, this is such a ex- like such a long portion of the book is just planning the wedding. Yeah. Like a really long time. And I feel like the whole book is like this to a degree Yeah, where it kind of introduces a new thing and then it kind of like focuses in on that for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And then it moves on to like the next thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. it'll be like, oh, they're, they're getting married. Well, let's do the wedding. And then what are we going to like decorate? Where are we going to have it? And then they don't want a big wedding. But Laura Jean really wants to plan one. They kind of bicker about that. And Laura Jean is figuring out like the decorations. What and, cake she's going to bake. Yeah, she she goes to an antique yard sale thing to find like a, a cake Table, which is a thing, <laughs> I guess. It's like the cookie table, Ian. I guess which it is. is like a Western Pennsylvania thing where everybody has to have a table of various cookies at their wedding. Like a fuck. Like a lot of cookies. Like a metric fuck ton of cookies. Yeah, like at least maybe seven to ten different types of cookies and probably like 20 to 50 cookies of each type. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's your fun Pittsburgh factoid <laughs> for the episode, the cookie table. We're probably not going to have a cookie table at our wedding. No, I, because usually other people volunteer. I mean, to make usually, the yeah, like the families bake <laughs> cookies and bring them in. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making all those. No, cookies. I'm not making any cookies and I'm not bribing people to make them. Uh, anyway, Annie, moving on, moving on from our wedding planning <laughs> yeah. to Laura Jean planning her dad's wedding. Her dad literally has to tell her to back the fuck up. Basically. He's like, Laura Jean. Stop planning our wedding. You're stressing us out. Yeah. Like, please, (laughs) please don't do this anymore. And like you as the reader. And this is the thing is like at this point in the story, like Laura Jean didn't get into a college of choice. But, um, you know, things have like kind of settled and she's like, you know, whatever. And so like. This feels like, once again, like the uh, the cookie thing, her trying to make yeah. the perfect cookie, her trying to plan like the perfect wedding. Yeah. And it feels like a metaphor for her dealing with shit on an emotional level, but I don't feel like we ever get that like more direct connection where there's a realization about that. Yeah. It's just like she's really controlling about this for like 20 pages at least. Yeah. This wedding planning goes on for. Yeah. And then it's just kind of like dropped Basically until the wedding happens at the end of the book. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. And this is just kind of a recurring pattern of the book. It's like, oh, and then there's this trip coming up that we're just now telling you about. Because, hey, grab the suitcase because we're going out the door. And now we're on this trip. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. And so Lara Jean did not get accepted to her college of choice. In the book, she and Peter had planned to both go to the University of Virginia together. Because these books take place in Charlottesville, Virginia, in that area. And Peter got a lacrosse scholarship, so he's locked into that school. And Lara Jean finds out she's not accepted. In the movie, Peter has a scholarship to Stanford, and Lara Jean wants to go there and is also not accepted. 
Yeah. So that <laughs> we will refer to this as their college of choice. Yes. Because here's the deal. In the book and movie, there is a college that They have the, the college that they, she wants. Yeah, they want to go to. Yeah. And then there's a college that Laura Jean gets accepted to that's nearby. It's like her backup school. That's her backup school. Yeah. And then there's a college that she discovers and falls in love with. That ultimately she chooses. Yeah. Which is like her reach school. Yeah. But they're each different in the movie because in the movie they live in Seattle. Yeah, that area. So generally. it's like more West Coast and then East Coast with like NYU. So like, yeah, it's like so confusing. <laughs> There's like six schools. Yeah, six schools we'd have to remember. <laughs> so we'll try to just keep it simple and be yeah. like, school of choice. She didn't get into her school of choice. Yeah. And I think this was illustrated very well in the movie because like. When she's imagining her and Peter going to school together, there's kind of this really fun, rapid montage. Yes, with the uh, If You Want to Be My Lover song playing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the wedding clip, and then like them, her pregnant, and them getting the house. She's like imagining away. And this is what I mean about the movie kind of leaning in. Yes, you know? yeah. Like, this is such a ridiculous thing that like every teenager and probably every adult as well has done where you just like imagine these like increasingly elaborate fantasies like <laughs> yeah. as you go. Um, but like setting it to this like silly over the top song and like having it be so overdramatic kind of lets us as the audience know that like, hey, this is kind of silly and you know that. Yeah. We all know that. The the these this trilogy of movies have had really good song choices. Yes. Both to like set the right mood or get a joke across or something like that. Like this is a good example of that. Uh but when she finds out she doesn't get into her college of choice, we see that same montage but in reverse. Yeah. Like uh the home buying thing, then the wedding, then the school, then the, like, it all kind of unraveling before her. And there's sort of a mix-up in the movie where she accidentally texts Peter that she got into school because she meant to text Margot, her sister. It doesn't really make sense. It's a rom-com. I, yeah, I kind of, I felt like the, um, here's the thing. I thought the way they pulled that off was pretty convincing. Like, you could almost see... Yeah. Because when it happens, you're caught off guard. You're like, oh, my God. And yeah. Then we get into less great territory because. Where she doesn't tell him the truth. Yeah. Peter shows up celebrating about them getting into school together. It's so cringy. And they go to the diner and he just wants to celebrate. I wrote in huge letters in my notes. I just wrote, say something. Yeah. Say anything. <sighs> say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like that that callback. We call that a callback in the biz. Yeah, and and this is where Peter propose or proposes to her. Proposes to her, and she doesn't tell him, and it was just so frustrating. Yeah. Now, if we if we rewatch this movie, knowing that she doesn't wait that long to tell him. Yeah, I thought she was going to drag it out. I thought it was going to be like one of those deals where it's like the whole movie that she's like keeping this a secret. Yeah. It's not that. So at least I know that now, which is better. Yeah. But even in this scene, it's kind of like too much. Yeah, it's uncomfortable because he's so excited. Yeah. And it just makes me feel upset. And it's one of those deals where like every time she starts to say something, he says something else or gets up to like yeah. get the food or like all these little interruptions that are so kind of contrived mm -hmm. and kind of like trying to get you to sympathize with her, but it's just so over the top. Yeah, I agree. But immediately after the situation, um, 
Laura Jean actually has a talk in the film with Trina, who kind of like sets her straight and is kind of like, listen, you shouldn't be so worried about this. Like you're still in senior year. Yeah. It's a good scene between them. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. And so when they go on their high school trip to New York City, Laura Jean decides, like, I'm going to tell Peter. And they do get to, like, they sneak off at night to, like, a yeah. bakery yeah. and kind of sit down. And this is where Laura Jean's finally able to, like, tell him the truth that she didn't get in to Stanford. Yeah. And he's really supportive and is not, like, upset or anything. And is just like, it's okay. We'll figure something out. And at this point, she's already been accepted to her safety school um, in both versions. So they kind of make a plan that she'll go to this secondary school for like a year and then she'll transfer to the school to be with Peter after that. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like she's going to kind of half commit to this other school until she can get into Stanford. I just want to say, though, Peter's reaction to this news was like so heartwarming. Yeah. Because, I mean, he he did have a right to be like upset with her that she like was lying about this for a while. And, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but he was just like he knew that it was worse for her than it was for him, obviously. Yeah, and like yeah, and kind that she of, was sad. Yeah, and that's what I mean when I say Peter Kavinsky is a good role model <laughs> for relationships. Like, he's very thoughtful and considerate and, like, not a just screaming douchebag. <laughs> exactly, I agree. Uh, and in the New York City trip in the book... Not a lot happens except uh, Peter does his promposal, the thing with the bear and the backpack and security at the Empire State (laughs) Building is like, listen, you can't just leave backpacks around. Yeah, you can't just leave, you (laughs) fucking idiot. You can't just leave a backpack in the middle of the Empire State Building. Yeah. He's like, but then he goes on to be like, this is New York City. And he like kind of is a weird caricature for like a moment. It's. That's, that's the contribution for the <laughs> book's New York City trip scene. Yeah, Peter looks like an idiot. That's about it. <laughs> um, but in the film, though, and this is something that was kind of smart, is that the film, there's a similar scene in the book, but the film ties this all into the New York City trip where Laura Jean ends up on a uh, kind of a tour of NYU. Yeah. And you can tell, too, that she's just like, kind of growing attached to the city, just kind of walking around. There's kind of a great moment of just, they're walking through the park and things are kind of chill and it's still and kind of quiet after they were just running around haphazardly. Mm -hmm. And that's just a great moment where you understand what Laura Jean's experiencing in that moment just through visuals alone. Yeah, and Jen has actually been accepted to NYU, so she is like on a tour, and then Laura Jean and Chris end up kind of joining her because Laura Jean did apply to NYU. So she's like, oh, maybe I'll just tour the campus with Jen like for the heck of it. So they go around the campus. They end up going to a college party, which is unlike any college party I ever uh. saw. They're like on this fancy rooftop. There's a live band. I was like, wow, I wish that I could go to a college party. I wish I could go to an adult party. Oh like my this. God, yeah. Maybe NYU is just that much better. But <laughs> yeah, once again, like I think it effectively communicates what it's meant to. You understand Laura Jean and why she kind of like falls in love with the city in this yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. That being said, though, like, I can really imagine people who live in New York City kind of, like, rolling their eyes at this a little bit. Yeah. Or who went to NYU or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. And the situation's a little weird, too, because, like, the senior, the college senior who was touring Jen 
around campus is the one who invites them to the party. And it's like a college senior inviting high school seniors underage underage to a party. Yeah. Like not like a um not a not like a, a mixer. School, yeah, yeah, not like a school funded thing. It's like a rooftop uh I don't know, just college run party so that was like a little weird too yeah they get into shenanigans on the subway which is another part where i thought that like people in new york must be like so angry to see that like (laughs) encouraging to put furniture on the subway like oh my god this must be a trope because i just finished watching broad city and Mm -hmm. there's a whole i don't know if it's an episode but a subplot where they're like carrying a couch around and are like on the subway with the couch. Oh my gosh. Maybe people do that more often. Maybe it's a reference to something. It could be. It could. Yeah. It could also be a reference. Yeah. Um, yeah, but at that point when they're on the subway, like screaming and laughing on the couch, we both were like, Ugh. Uh, if we were like on that train with them, we would hate them. Yeah. We would be so pissed at them. I would be really mad. Now seems like an appropriate time though, to talk about, uh, the relationship between Laura Jean and Jen. Yeah, because where we last left them was very different in the book and the movie in the second one. Yeah. Because in the second one, Jen is still a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> in the book. Yeah. yeah. In fact, if I remember right, the last scene of her in the book is like really aggressive. Yeah, she's like really mean to Laura Jean. And Laura Jean's like, I guess I'll always have a connection with her, classic Jen. And I'm like, why are you forgiving her? She's being like terrible to you. Yeah, she's horrible right now yeah uh yeah and like in this book she's really not in it almost at all there's like one or two references to her yeah where she's like a little bit of a bitch but like not distant yeah a distant bitch, <laughs> distant bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like um just like less aggressive i guess which is good yeah uh but the you know in the last film we kind of had the scene of laura jean and jen kind of talking things out a bit. Yeah. And it was great because they didn't end things like hugging it out or like, no. you know, it was just kind of them coming to a mutual understanding, I think. Yeah. Which felt very mature and maybe more realistic. I agree. And so when this movie picks up, uh, I think we get an early scene where they were kind of just like casual with each other. Yeah. And then when Laura Jean joins this NYU tour and, you know, party and everything, her and Jen and Chris is there too. Yeah. uh, Are all kind of like hanging out together. And I like this a lot because it feels genuine. Um, There's still maybe like a little bit of tension Mm -hmm. between Jen and Laura Jean. Like there's a scene later where Laura Jean kind of goes up to Jen to ask her for advice. And Jen's kind of like, Oh, hey, like, yeah, it's a little awkward. Yeah. Uh, But I don't know. I just really appreciate them developing Jen as a character and their relationship together to a point that like feels believable without it being like overly. Well, and I think it captures that mood of like moving on to college. You know, you're leaving a lot of high school shit behind. So like maybe people that you disliked in high school you know, you have like bigger and better things to look forward to. So you're kind of letting go of a lot of that. Yeah. And I thought there was a really nice callback in the movie where um, they're talking in the halls and Jen compliments large and oh, shoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because in the first movie, the first scene with her, she like 
disses Largene's shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a great callback, <laughs> too. I really liked that. Yeah, so just a great, I don't know, I really appreciated where the movie took this dynamic as opposed yeah. to the book where it's like, I don't know, it just kind of like ends. Their yeah. dynamic just ends completely, which I guess is better, but not great. Yeah. There's... So kind of like following the trajectory of the story. So Largene in the movie has this moment where she's touring this NYU campus and she's like, wow, I'm kind of like falling in love with this like college campus and this city. And similarly, in the book, Largene gets accepted to, you know, her reach school um, in the book, which is um, a university in North Carolina. And she and Chris end up going and taking like a spontaneous road trip there. It's only like three hours away, maybe um, four hours away. But it's sort of similar to the NYU experience and the fact that like they end up going to like this club, they get like tacos, they're like hanging out, touring the campus. It feels like Lara Jean is falling in love with this campus. Yeah. And you know, I really love this depiction of kind of choosing a school. Yeah. Because, I mean, this is all not, about the vibes, Ian. It, honestly, like... It, it is. For me, it was. And I'm sure for most people it is. Like, some people it may be purely, like, the reputation of the school mm-hmm. or, like, the programs or whatever. But, like, for anyone who's, like, gone to a campus and just really kind of, like... You have a soft spot for it. Like, yeah. I, I still have a soft spot for Edinburgh where we went to school. It has yeah. a beautiful campus, like, great art department. Like... I think they capture that really well in both book and movie. Yeah. Maybe even better in the book, I'd say. Yeah. The movie's maybe a little too grand. It's very much like New York City. New York City. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the the book is just kind of this like random little. Yeah. They like go somewhere to eat. They run into like some other college students that talk about the school to them. Like it just seems like a very fun place. And I love that this is something that Largene and Chris are able to do together. Yeah. Because, like, Chris is kind of, like, in and out of these stories and isn't often having a lot of, like, big moments with Lara Jean. So I liked that they were able to share this. Um, I love her in the movies as well, and she's a part of that, you know, NYU experience, too. Um, But I'm glad that Chris got a little bit more time in the book. There's a good part, too, where, you know, Chris has decided she's going to go to Costa Rica to, like, work on a farm or something. Yeah, yeah. Kind of this very free-spirited trip that Laura Jean's kind of worried she's, like, not going to see her again anytime soon. Yeah. But they have a scene when they're both looking at the campus and Laura Jean's clearly, like, falling in love with it and... Chris is kind of like suddenly like, man, I wonder if I'm like missing out by not going to school and kind of second guessing herself and clearly has her own reservations about her own journey, Mm -hmm. which I appreciated that kind of like moment of uh, vulnerability for her. I agree. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about Peter because he's also kind of going through his own set of issues and thinking about the future At this time, his dad, who he's been estranged from for many years, is sort of trying to reconnect with him. Yeah, he's he's reached out and wants to, I I don't know, like just kind of be a part of Peter's life again. And Peter is just obviously still very pissed at him and kind of wants nothing to do with him. Yeah. And Laura Jean, I think, can tell how upset he is. And I think she wants him to talk to his dad if for no other reason than to get like maybe some closure on some things. Yeah. And I think she does have this perspective where, you know, she comes at it from the perspective of my mom died 
Yeah. And I would have given anything to have the chance to see her again. And so not only thinking about her own experience, but kind of imagining, well, like, Peter, what if your dad died? Yeah. Would you have any regrets? Would you have wished that maybe you had tried to see if a relationship could work? And even if it didn't, at least you would know, you know? Yeah. And kind of has that mindset. Whereas Peter, in his mind, is like, well, your mom didn't leave you. She was taken from you. And she loved you. And my dad abandoned me. And so they have like these very different, but also similar perspectives with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pete, this scene with Peter in the film especially is like very touching and you feel so much sympathy for him he has a line about there's nothing worse than the feeling of not being picked yeah chosen chosen and you can just tell how upset he is and at this point in the story you know laura jean is considering going to a school that's farther away from him yeah and so you feel that you you feel from like both characters perspectives in that moment which Mm -hmm. i think is like very effective yeah but I, i don't know i just like how I like how Peter has his own issues that he's working through in this story. Yeah, and you do get the sense from him, like, yeah, he's this very popular, funny, kind of jock guy, but he also has this deep fear of abandonment Yeah, because of what happened with his dad. And he's also, because of that, he's very loyal to the people who mean a lot to him. Yeah. So, like, the fact that, you know, he really cares about Laura Jean and wants to make it work with her is very, like a really great picture of his character. Yeah. And I think the scene in the film where they run into the dad at the bowling alley is good. Yeah. It's just kind of awkward. And I love Peter kind of, the dad offers like, hey, do you want to join us? Meaning his family. And Peter yeah. kind of gives them a look. And you just feel that awkward discomfort. Like, I, I don't know. It played out so very realistically mm-hmm. that I really appreciated. Yeah, I agree. Just that sense of like, he doesn't belong and you chose a different life and a different family, basically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We have to talk about, though, Peter's mom in the book. Oh, my God. Uh... Oh, my God. Peter's mom is playing some like ultimate mind games. <laughs> Like, talk about, like, manipulative. Yeah. Like, there's a scene earlier on at a football game where uh, she's talking to Laura Jean, where Laura Jean tells her about not getting getting into her college of choice with Peter, and that she'll be going to a nearby college, and the mom gives a comment about, like, well, maybe it's for the best. Yeah. Just leaves it at that. Yeah. Yep. And Laura Jean is, like, later talking to Kitty, who was there for that, and she's like... That was weird, right? And Kitty was like, yeah. And she's like, like, she thinks we're going to break up and it's good we're not going to the same college. Yeah. She's like, yeah. And Peter has mentioned before that his mom doesn't want them to, like, be together in college or doesn't think it's the best idea. And, like, Lara Jean talks about how Peter's mom is always kind of, like, cold towards her and, like, mad at her because she broke up with Peter one time in the (laughs) last book. Yeah. So this all leads up to a text that Laura Jean gets later in the story in the book from Peter or a call, I guess from Peter's mom Yeah, and Peter's mom invites Laura Jean over to talk with her. And I think we're all (laughs) reading this and being like, Oh Uh, no. Yeah. And it's exactly what we think it's going to be where she's like, listen, honey, like Peter, this is a big opportunity for him going to school. He's got this scholarship. Yeah. He can't lose it. He has to focus on his studies. You're a distraction. 
you know what the best thing would be? Is if you just broke up with him. Yeah. Or died. (laughs) If you died, that would be fine, too. (laughs) She's literally like, he won't do it himself. He's like too sweet. He's like too gentle. You have to do it for him. You have to break it off. You have to be the better person and do this. And I'm like, dude, like you are. This is like the worst parenting thing that you could ever do. Because if you want your kids to break up with someone, just do nothing. It'll probably happen. (laughs) (laughs) If you want them to stay together out of spite towards you, tell them that they can't be together. Yeah. Honestly. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, unless there's like a legitimate concern, then like tell them that they shouldn't be together. But like there's no she just doesn't want them to be together. No, this is like, I don't know. Maybe it's not unrealistic. Like. I have sane parents, so, like, I can't imagine my parents ever doing this. But, like, I will say, though, in the book, I appreciate this perspective being given to Lara Jean. Yeah. Because, you know, I think we, at this point, have been thinking about their relationship going to two different schools as being like, oh, it'll be tough on their relationship. Like, will they get to see each other enough? Will they talk to each other enough? Will they break up? Yeah. But the mom is like, listen, Peter needs to focus on school and lacrosse. Like, those are two of the most important things for him right now. Yeah. And if he's... And you're a distraction. And if he's driving over, like, over four hours every weekend to go see you and, Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's causing problems and, like, that's going to potentially damage his, like, future, his future plans. Yeah. And it's, like, that's a pretty... I don't want to say, like... It's a legitimate it, concern. It is. Yeah, it's a legitimate concern. For like a grown woman to turn to a 17, 18 year old girl and tell her that she needs to break up with her son. That's not legitimate. No, but, <laughs> but I think those ideas are important for Lara Jean. I don't know, though. It's like Lara Jean seems more like she wants to break up with him because her mom doesn't want them to be together as opposed to like the points that she yeah. raised about the situation. Yeah. So that also wasn't like maybe executed to its best degree. Yeah. And at this point in the story, she's been like kind of trying to decide what she wants to do, whether she's going to go with this like safety school choice that's closer to Peter or go with kind of like her reach school, uh, NYU or the college in North Carolina. And she eventually kind of decides that she's going to do do it and settle on this school. And there's this really great scene with the dad, though, in the movie that we have to talk about. Because I love the dad in the movie. John Corbett is so great. I love him. The perfect dad. Yes. Yeah, there's this just great scene when Laura Jean is up at night, I think, doing baking. Uh, pan- panic baking. <laughs> she does so much baking in the book. I know. Especially at night, too. She does a yeah. lot of night baking. Yeah. Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, her dad is woken up and comes down and, like, they start talking. And Laura Jean kind of, like, tells him the whole situation about not knowing what she wants to do and wanting to go to NYU, but, like, not wanting to hurt Peter. And the dad tells her, he said, you can't save this relationship by not growing. Yeah. Which is such a good. It's such good dad advice. It's such good dad advice. Because he's not telling her what to do. He's just saying, like, you can't make this type of decision based on fear, basically. Yeah. You know, you can't choose something because you're afraid of what's going to happen. You have to move forward and, and do what's best for you. And it's such good advice, and he's such a great dad. I just love him. It's so heartwarming. And, you know, this reminds me of something like, I think one thing the movie does so effectively is that it kind of, like, takes all of the pieces that are there 
in the book. Yeah. Whether it's like big plot points or even like bits of dialogue or small scenes. And it kind of like spreads it all out and is like, okay, what can we combine? Mm -hmm. What can we build off of? How can we take all these pieces that in the book felt very disjointed in a way yeah, and kind of like work them into a story that has maybe more flow and more of a growing conflict. Yeah. Because I remember in the book, there is a scene. I mean, there's multiple scenes when she's up late baking at night because she's very stressed. But one (laughs) in particular where she uh, is stressed baking at night and her dad is there and they have a talk. But that's like very early in the book. Yeah. And I I don't even remember what it's about. You know what I mean? I don't remember what the thing she's worried about is. Yeah. And I just remember thinking like that scene was so much better used for this moment in the film. Or when just, she needed guidance. Yeah. Or the story where she's making the biggest decision she has to make in the story. Yeah. Because it's a very memorable scene. Whereas in the book, it kind of feels like it was a fine scene, but it didn't feel like super important or necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the movie just does this so well where it kind of like, you know, combining the NYU trip that they go on with her falling in love with this campus, this campus and this location and city Mm -hmm. or even, even like bits of dialogue are worked into scenes. Like there's a scene of truth or dare. Yes. In the film that is similar to the book, but whereas the book, it just wasn't anything it kind of plays into a joke where Trevor asks out uh, Chris to prom. Yeah. You know, kind of progressing their growing dynamic and story. Yeah. So I I just think it's like so effective at reworking all these pieces into something like a little bit maybe more cohesive. Yeah. And that's like what we love to talk about with adaptations. Yeah. Is how you can change things and mix things up and combine things and take something in a little bit of a different direction. And that's what is so fascinating about adaptations. Yeah. So, so cool to get to talk about that in this adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Laura Jean has made her decision. Yeah. And that's something I really appreciate about this story in both versions. I love that she's made the decision and then she tells Peter. Yeah. It's not, I'm going to talk to Peter about this. See what he thinks. Gauge his reaction. Yeah. It's like she decided. Yeah. And she's breaking the news to him. Mm -hmm. Which I think is like important for the growth of her character that she's like just made this decision for herself and is like. I need to do this for me and hopefully your relationship will be okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Peter is less than enthusiastic about it, but he's not really upset. He's just kind of like, okay, I didn't really expect this. I guess we'll figure it out. Yeah. So poor Peter, he's like trying his best. He was like super supportive and great when she yeah. didn't get into Stanford. Now he's like, Okay. All right. We can, we can still. This is what. Yeah, definitely. We can do this. We're we're good. (laughs) He's, he's, he's holding it together for the most part. Yeah. He's trying. Yeah. The movie does do something cool in this scene though, where Laura Jean unloads this news on Peter. And I think it's a good reflection on the quality of filmmaking, like in this, in this series as a whole. Yeah. Cause I think it's really, it, it does a lot of really cool, interesting filmmaking techniques that kind of like are a little bit more than what you'd typically see in a Mm rom-com or comedy in general. Like there's a great scene earlier on where Laura Jean's talking to an imaginary Peter on her bed. Yeah. And then that transitions into like 
her actually talking to him in real life and she's like not paying attention to him. Yes. Um, But in this scene where she tells Peter what's going on, it breaks the 180 degree rule. Mm. So typically in a conversation in a scene, you do over the shoulder shots between characters, like very standard. Yeah. And you always have it. So one character is framed on the right side of the screen, like probably facing left. And then when you flip to the other character, they're on the left side facing right. Mm. So you're kind of like looking back and forth like you would almost in a normal conversation. Yeah. And essentially the camera, there's like an invisible line that the camera is always on one side of. Mm. So and that's pretty important to not like visually confuse people like most people aren't actively aware of that in a scene. Yeah. But there is a thing that and quite a few movies do this, but the camera will move across that line and change like the side that you're viewing from. Mm -hmm. And now characters are talking like, you know, if Peter was on the right now, he's on the left side. Yeah. And typically this is done in a scene when something kind of big happens. Yeah. To signify a change. Yeah. By like a literal shift in the perspective and view of like what's going on. And It's an effective technique, you know, quite a few movies have done it, you know, over the years. It's nothing new, but it's a smart application of a really effective tool in filmmaking. And I think it just really shows that a lot of care goes into these movies. Like, it's not just, okay, we're filming a talking scene. Let's just do over the shoulder shots. We'll get some B-roll. Like, Well, even for like, this is the third movie in a series. Yeah. You know, sometimes those can be a little thrown together. <laughs> yes. You know, they're like, all right, let's get this cash. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Let's get that Netflix money. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, I, I just think the quality of filmmaking in these movies is like pretty good for like all considerations, especially given that it's kind of a, a rom-com. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's it's fun. It's visually fun to look at and to view. Yeah, it does a lot of good kind of jokes with cuts or pacing mm-hmm. or montage or what have you. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's solid. Let's go to prom. Let's go to prom again. <laughs> Not much happens in the book uh, besides the fact that after prom... Uh, Peter takes uh, Largine to a diner where he's recreated the 16 Candles scene. Uh, Another rom-com reference. Uh, In the film, things are basically like generic prom. Like they get their photos taken. They dance on the dance floor. Classic prom. Classic prom. (laughs) Um, But it feels like there's some disconnect at this point between Largine and Peter. Yeah. And and kind of... uh... You know, Peter gets prom king and Laura Jean's kind of standing back watching it, you know, feeling like a literal distance between them. And Peter's kind of picking up on this and and they end up leaving, going back to Laura Jean's place where she invites him in. Yeah. Up to her room. Mm-hmm. Mm, what's going to happen up there? Yeah, they start making out on the bed and it seems like they're going to have sex. And this is the first time for Laura Jean and she's waited a while and she's like, all right, I'm going to let's do it. Like. Let's let's have sex. But Peter is uncomfortable with this. And he is sort of like, why do you want to do this now? It's almost like you're saying goodbye. Yeah. Like her kind of using sex as like an end to their like relationship, their high school relationship yeah. to move on to college next. Well, and she had given him a gift right before this, too. In the book, it's a scrapbook. Yeah. In the film, it's her hat box full of photos and she says like something to remember us by yeah so like 
a lot of her language and way of talking is like very kind of coded yeah. for like, we're probably not going to be together. Mm-hmm. And Peter's been clearly like picking up on this. Yeah. And feeling insecure. Yeah. And I think he's weirded out because like he f- has felt distant with her and now she wants to have sex for the first time. And he's yeah. like, wait, I don't, you know, once again, good guy, Peter. Yeah. Like, you know, well, he's not, he's feeling uncomfortable. Well, Yeah. He's feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. Which is like, it's good to show the representation of like, Hey, sex is important to the male character of this story, too. He's not just like yeah. eagerly rubbing his hands together, waiting for the moment. He feels like it's not right for him at this moment. And so he doesn't want to. Yeah. But in the movie, he is kind of freaking out, feels like Largina saying goodbye and is like, we should just break up now because there's no way we, can, we no way we can make this long distance work and breaks up with her. Mm-hmm. It's very sad. It is really sad. And... Uh, just that, like, it's post-prom, yeah. and she thought she was gonna have sex, gonna get the D <laughs> for the first time, and then this is how it ends. Like, I think you really feel for her oh, yeah. in that moment. Definitely. It doesn't happen this way in the book, because they go to Beach Week. Beach Week! Um, Something that I'm like, what? why is this a thing? <laughs> <laughs> there are... So many trips. Yeah, too many things that happen in this book. And like, you know, there's the New York City trip. There's the Beach Week trip. Then, you know, she's going to go to Korea later. Yeah. A lot of a lot of travel, a lot of trips. Yes. Uh, But it's essentially like different groups of kids rent out houses by the beach. It sounds like spring break for college students, but I guess it's for high school students after they graduate. And I guess it's fine. I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't popular enough to ever go to something (laughs) like this, but I don't know what any of this shit is. (laughs) Yeah. Also, it seems very disgusting. Oh, um, God. Because it's just a bunch of teenagers (laughs) in these like beach houses like not showering and like eating trash and bringing sand into every like corner of the house. My favorite part in this portion of the book was like a quick like day by day breakdown of what Laura Jean had done, which was like the one night um, she had to like comfort her friend who got drunk when she said she wasn't going to drink that week and was like crying on the beach and she had to like be there for her. And then like the next day, her two other friends got in like a shouting match that like the police got called and like I was just like, oh, my and God, this party and- it sounds Horrible. This sounds so bad. But like she and Peter are kind of like in conflict for a lot of this week. And there's a part where it seems like they're going to have sex. Very similar to the movie. But again, Peter feels uncomfortable and is like, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. It feels like you're saying goodbye. They don't break up, but they do kind of have a fight here. And so things are clearly sort of on the rocks. And then at this point, Lara Jean, Margot, and Trina... Uh, go out for Trina's bachelorette party, mm-hmm. which she decides to have as like a karaoke thing. Largine has like one drink <laughs> and then is like, I am so drunk. Yeah, she's like stumble. She's like visibly drunk, stumbling around. Yeah. She ends up throwing up like that night and like multiple in, times in the morning. And I'm like, Maybe the book just didn't do a good job of describing how much she drank. Yeah. Because it just seemed like she was kind of sneaking sips in. Yeah. When, like, no one was looking because she's, like, you know, underage. Yeah. Maybe it was just a lot more sips than the I book. I think it was, though. Yeah. It seemed like a couple sips from, like, two drinks. So maybe one drink in total. I mean, I can see getting maybe a little, like, 
uh, unsteady if you're not used to drinking and, like, having, like, a yeah. full drink if it was a strong one. Yeah. But, like, for her to, like, throw up and then throw up that night and then, like, that morning, and I was like, this is... That's too much. Way too much. Yes, but in her drunken stupor, she breaks up with Peter. Yes, because at this point, the mom has talked to her about she should break up with Peter, and she's yeah. already having, like, reservations about them being together, this is post Beach Week, and <laughs> Beach Week. <laughs> Just um, so funny to say. I don't know why. Uh, ABW after Beach Week. <laughs> uh, so she breaks up with him, and he's pretty, I think, pretty hurt by this. Yeah. Given just like the circumstances and everything, Peter was just at her dad's bachelor party. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this boy's putting in the hours. I know he really is. I, I do want to say that I feel like I like the fact that Peter broke up with her in the movie better. Mm. Because she broke up with him in the last book and movie. Yeah. And I'm like, I just want to see Peter go through something where he's questioning. Because in the last book and movie, she was like, I don't know, maybe like I like Jam, John Ambrose. <laughs> yes. And maybe Peter is like still into Jen and I don't know if I can handle that. Yeah. And so she broke up with him. And in this one, she's like, well, I don't know if we can make it work. I'm going to break up with him in the book. But in the movie, it's actually Peter who's like, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. And that feels much more... Because, I mean, in the book, if you're Peter... You're like, You've been through some shit. Yeah, you're like, she's broken up with me twice now. And, yeah. like, that's not... Three times if you count their fake breakup in the first That's book. true. <laughs> it's like, that's not a good track record, given our short, like, two-year relationship. Yeah. It's like a lot of emotional turbulence to have to deal with. So yeah. I, I do agree. I like that Peter is the one who breaks up. And that it's more... I don't know, because in the... um. In the book, there's a lot of like, well, you were behaving this way. Well, you said this and yeah. you were doing that. And it feels like it was more of a mutual thing. Whereas I think in the movie, it feels more like Laura Jean is the one who's kind of emotionally distancing herself yeah. from Peter. Mm -hmm. So and then Peter's reaction makes a little bit more sense why he's upset about that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they've broken up and they're approaching the wedding. Yes. But we have to take a sidebar. <laughs> Let's take a break. I brought up Jam. Let's talk about John Ambrose, <laughs> McLaren. He, who does make a appearance, a couple appearances yeah. in the book. He is a feature of Beach Week. <laughs> yeah. He eats <laughs> Peter's carrots. Also, Stormy dies. So. Oh, oh yeah. Stormy was back. And this all happens in the book. Yeah, this, Not this, in this the is movies. all book. This yeah. is all book. Yeah. Stormy was back and then she wasn't. Yeah. And then John Ambrose was back and now that was about it. Like, yeah. just so briefly. There's also a brief mention in the book of Josh um, and kind of like how Josh and Largine's dad still occasionally email each other because they were like friendly. Um, and I know that they're, it's like, all right, or we haven't forgotten about them, but Ian and I are just joking that it's like, Every movie, they're like, all right, we're done with that boy. We'll never see him again. <laughs> to all the boys, not that one anymore. Like, <laughs> to all the boys I've discarded. Yes. <laughs> to yeah. all the boys I no longer have any use for. It was especially funny because Josh was their neighbor in the first movie. And then we just never see him in the second or third. No. I mean, the third, he's at college at that point. Yeah. And then John Ambrose, like, her and Laura Jean seemed 
like to get along pretty well and you yeah. think that maybe they would still want to be friends but nope no mention of John Ambrose <laughs> that boy is gone he's gone <laughs> he's on the same train out of town that they put Josh on exactly <laughs> uh yeah so we were just kind of laughing about the the boys all the boys that have been cast aside over, over yeah, the reject boys. the rejects <laughs> they're in the reject bin maybe like peter kavinsky at the end of each movie has to like fight to the death and like kill each one mm. for him to like move on to the next film <laughs> it's like scott pilgrim <laughs> yes yeah yeah yes exactly uh let's also talk here speaking of book stuff about Margot in the book yes If you've listened to our other episodes, which you should, you know that we have a complicated relationship with Margot, especially in the books, because she is just straight up villainous in the first book. Yeah. She does some horrible backhanded shit that a sister would never do to another sister. I'm saying speaking as a sister here. (laughs) Um, And she's like fine in the second book because she's not really in it that much. But in this book, uh, Bitch Margot comes out again. And does she ever, like, really immediately? So she comes back from Scotland uh, for spring break, and she brings her boyfriend along, Ravi. Yeah. As soon as she gets there, her dad is like, hey, it's great to have you here, blah, blah, blah. Like, we got the guest room Mm -hmm. set up for Ravi. And Margot's like, oh, no, he'll be staying in my room with me. And this is, like, in front of everyone. Yeah. And, like, clearly she hasn't discussed it with her dad. Clearly she hasn't discussed it with Ravi either. No. Because Ravi is like super uncomfortable, which I think was honestly more of a red flag for me was the fact that she was making Ravi uncomfortable. Mm, Yeah. Um, Like conflict with her dad, like there's bound to be conflict as Margot gets older and they kind of butt heads over, you know, boundaries. But the fact that she was kind of putting her boyfriend in the middle of this feud with her dad. Yeah. Just like kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. So there was like that. And it was just like overly confrontational. Like, yeah. And then... Shortly after that, the next morning when or no, that night when they're eating dinner, the dad made a turkey or a a chicken and he's cutting it up. And Ravi is like, "Uh, sorry, but I'm like a vegetarian. Yeah. And the dad looks at Margo like, what the fuck? Why didn't you tell me? And she's like, oh, I forgot. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck, Margo? I know. Why would you do that? She's also really upset about Trina moving in and she's okay with, you know, her dad and Trina getting married, but obviously she's feeling like a lot is changing. And honestly, those feelings are understandable. Yeah. But I think Margot takes it too far and is just a straight up jerk to Trina when she has no reason to be. She starts like criticizing her for like her dog shedding on the couch when they also have a dog. And she's like, well, your oh, yeah. dog is worse, though. Yeah. Like, it's your dog specifically. I wasn't even thinking that in the book they have their own dog. Yeah, but I love Trina kind of like comes back at her and says something about how like their dad never vacuums. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. She I was did like, too. Why don't you criticize your dad? Because he's the one who actually never vacuums. <laughs> <laughs> I love Trina in both versions. She's great. Yeah, she's just such a strong character. Yeah. But yeah, Marco's just so antagonistic towards Trina, not giving her a chance. No. And like, if we hadn't started the book off with Margot being off on both wrong feet. Yeah. With like the Ravi incident, I'd be maybe a little bit more like 
sympathetic to what's going on. Because, yeah. like, I think when their mom died, Margot did a lot to, like, raise. Yeah. Um, Kitty and Largine. Yeah. And so, like... She is kind of like the mother figure to a degree of the family. And so Trina coming in is kind of like a conflict there. Like, I'm all for that general conflict. But like, I don't know. Margot just comes across just so unsympathetic in the book. Yeah. And the fact is, she's just like so she just believes that she's right all the time and everyone else is wrong. And I just want to read like a quote from the book, too, because Lara Jean also views her the same way. So. Um, Peter is agreeing with something that Margot says. Peter works hard to impress Margot. He's always taking her side. I pre- pretend to be annoyed by it, but really I am touched. Of course he should take her side. It's his job to take her side. It shows that he gets how important her good opinion is to me, and he gets the place she has in my life. I could never be with someone who didn't understand how important my family is to me. So in this scene, she's actually saying that she prefers it when Peter takes her sister's side over her. So she wants her significant other to not be on her side. She wants him to go with Margot. That's so and weird. And I'm like, that's not what I want my partner to do in my relationship. Like, I need my partner to back me up, like, and to support me, you know? Yeah. And for her to be like, well, I value Margot's opinion so much that I would rather him support her over me that yeah and that kind of goes back to like the games that laura jean kind of plays sometimes yeah. it's like another test yeah a like test. oh you passed the test like yeah. you agreed with my sister and not me like uh, yeah that was a weird moment. by the way i would never want you to agree with my sister annette over me <laughs> I, ne- I never would babe not in a million years no matter what you say, it's 100% I'm you. I'm just kidding. But I just mean in general that like it feels really weird. Yeah. No, I I, I think I reread that passage because I was like, wait, am I reading this right? And like, it's like, I guess. Yeah. What a weird perspective to have. Yeah. Just not a big Margot fan, honestly. No. And like, ultimately, she kind of, her and Trina kind of reconcile when they both are defending <laughs> How Laura Jean for getting drunk. Yeah, they're like, she's just such a lightweight dad. Like, it's pathetic, right? <laughs> and then they high five and they kick Laura Jean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like, and then they stood shoulder to shoulder and I was like, okay, I guess this is our moment where they're fine. Yeah. I love that the movie gives us a more compassionate moment between Trina and Margot. Yeah. When there really hasn't even been that much antagonism between them. No. But it's still Trina goes up to Margot and is like, hey, like, I just want you to know that, like, I'm sure this is weird for you. I just want you to know I'm not trying to replace anyone. Like, yeah. I care about uh, your dad and you and your sisters. And, like, it's a nice moment. And I'm like, wow. And the movie probably didn't even need this, but, like, the book yeah. sure did. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, let's go to the wedding. Let's do a wedding. It's a backyard wedding. Yeah. We finally see the culmination of all those fucking pages of the descriptions <laughs> about the mason jars or the hairstyles and what dresses everyone was wearing and all that other stuff. We get to see Kitty in her suit or in her tux, which mm-hmm. she stood firm that she wanted to wear, even though Lara Jean was like, well, we have to wear matching dresses. And Kitty was like, I want to wear a tux. I loved that. I know. <laughs> I love Kitty. Me too. Uh, yeah. And... At this point, like in the film, Peter just kind of like agrees not to go to the wedding because they're broken up now. In the book, they didn't like 
decide that. So Laura Jean isn't sure if he's going to show up or not. She's kind of hoping he will. Because basically she regrets breaking up with him at this point. Like, yeah, almost like immediately. immediately. She's like, I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't broken up with their significant other when they're drunk? <laughs> so, you know, the wedding's going on. And it's just pretty much a good a good wedding. My God, is the dad taller? Oh my God, I, I know. I wanted to say that too. <laughs> I had a note about it. The dad is so much taller than Trina in the movie. Oh my gosh. It's shocking. Like when they're dancing together? Yeah. And, and I'm you're like, like, is she wearing heels? Is she wearing heels? Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. she's like half of his height. I know. It's shocking. <laughs> he's just very tall. He's very, very tall. He's a... He's, he's a, very cute. He's a tall drink of water, as we, <laughs> as we like to say. Uh, but yeah, no, it's kind of, I think the movie captures the mood well, too, where like, it's very joyous, it's very happy, but there are moments where Laura Jean is clearly kind of like feeling, you know, feeling Peter, the loss of Peter, you know what I mean? And wishing yeah. he was there and kind yeah. of this melancholy. Uh, and so... The wedding ends. Well, I guess let's talk about the book ending because it's very brief. Peter shows up to the wedding mm-hmm. and they talk and uh, work things out, I guess. Yeah. They're just like, hey, I don't want to break up. <laughs> me either. And they're, nah, me, me neither. All right. Well, we shouldn't be broken up then. And they're like, yeah. okay, deal. <laughs> uh, we, and then he left the yearbook for her in her room. Yeah. Which we, is like they're a letter to her and kind of like, a new contract for them. Which I like is a callback to the yeah, first. That's they're a, dating a nice touch. Yeah. And we get a ending chapter where yeah. it's the end of summer. They're going to see a meteor shower and she's kind of contemplating about their future together. And this is where Peter reveals that he remembers the first time he met her. They're meet cute. They're meet cute. <laughs> and... Like when they were, I don't know, in some grade. Sixth and grade. She, her hair got caught in something. And yeah. she's like, oh, and then. That's, that's the end. That's the very end. <laughs> but Adina, in the book universe, they, as far as we know, they did not bang. No, they didn't. It's been a long time since we. Since the first book and we waited so long. And I was going to say since our segment, did they bang? Yeah. Usually this relates to. People dying. People dying (laughs) in a story like, uh, oh, like a, you know, tragic couple where one of them dies and we talk about did they bang before they died. Yeah. Um, But I'm going to work it into this because it's been three books. Yes. And they're going to be like apart living, you know, far away for college. Like, come on. Yeah. I just need like some acknowledgement of it. Like she doesn't have to write a sex scene. No. Just be like. Because, like, the only time that they that we know that they went to do it was, like, really sad. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a big bummer. Yeah, and, I would and they ju- didn't do it. I would just like to know. <laughs> if they, they had a good time. That they didn't leave it off there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's essentially where the book leaves off. Mm-hmm. The movie, the wedding kind of ends. And then uh, Kitty is sort of, you can tell she's, like, been texting Peter. And tells Lara Jean to go back out to, like, the wedding tent. And Peter is waiting out there for her. And I think this makes sense because he's the one that broke it off, that he would come to, like, reconcile them. Um, So he has, you know, this contract for them. He's written it in the yearbook. And it's really sweet. And they get back together. Yeah. And it's it's really touching. And, you know, we kind of get a voiceover from Laura Jean about, once again, 
uncertain about their future, but she's like, we're we're motherfucking Laura Jean and Peter Kavinsky. Like, we can do anything. And yeah. And kind of... Let's go bang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. They, they do. We we get an official they banged in the film, uh, and then kind of a montage of them going to their separate colleges. Mm-hmm. And we, we get... <laughs> Several montages. We get a we get a couple montages. We get one <laughs> montage where when they're reconciling and like thinking about the future and the voiceover, and we get like seeing them like throughout the first two movies and yeah, into this one. All their and, romantic moments. Yeah, and it's like okay, it's a little cheesy, but it's like it's the last movie. Yeah, I'm like I'm willing to give it to them, and you know, and then we get the credits where we get surprise. More montages. Yeah, from scenes from the other movies. And they're it's per it's to each character that they're like yeah. highlighting in the credits, like showing them throughout the movies. But I don't know. At this point it was like five minutes of montage. Yeah. Like I wrote like to all the montages I've montaged before. <laughs> I'm just like, it's so much Too now. Many. Yeah, you're really like Too many at the end. Listen. I'll applaud you. Three good movies of a rom-com. That's great. Let's not celebrate too hard at the finish line. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the end. That's it. All right. Which one's better, Ian? I feel very, very comfortable saying this. I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure our listeners listeners can predict what I'm saying. I'm going to go with the movie on this all the way. Uh, You know, have to have to give credit to the author. She this story begins with her you know she's the author and creator of this you know the characters and these plot lines and like the situations like the movie is working basically off everything that the author has laid out in the book yeah they're not going rogue with like plot lines they really follow the story yeah uh but the movie just manages to i mean it does a few things first of all like structurally i think it just takes those parts and like really reworks them into a story that has much more of a um, growing conflict and kind of a resolution and, you know, not just like a series of things that kind of happen. Yeah. Oh, we forgot to say, too, that, like, Peter has some resolution with his dad. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that kind of inspires him to make things work with uh, Laura Jean. That was a really great scene. Because while the wedding was going on, Peter was meeting with his dad. Yeah. And the dad kind of just saying he should have done a better job at being his dad. And yeah. and I just loved getting to see Peter work through this yeah. on his own. Yeah. You know, Laura Jean had her story of like falling in love with this school and deciding to do this Following for her. her dreams. Yeah. And Peter has his own storyline mm-hmm. of reconciling things to a degree with his dad. And so I like that that. And there's no resolution of that in the book at all. No, the book really weirdly the dad doesn't show up to graduation. to graduation, which seems like a huge slap in the face to Peter. Like, he's very upset about it. And then we find out later that the dad's one son from his new marriage had an allergic reaction and they had to take the son to the hospital. And you're like, oh, that's... That's like a legit excuse. That's pretty serious. Yeah. But Peter's kind of, like, dismissive of it. Yeah. And that is the that's last it. time it's brought up. Yeah. Which I'm like, either... Make it okay where Peter's like, I understand and we're going to work on it. 
Or the dad just didn't show up with not a good excuse. Yeah. And Peter's like, fuck him. I'm done with him. Yeah, I tried. Don't like give us like, oh, the dad didn't go, but he had kind of a decent excuse. And like, is Peter being unfair about this? And like, Guess I don't we'll know. Never know. Who knows? We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I that like perfectly illustrates why I prefer the movie. It just kind yeah. of wraps things up better. It has more followable character arcs that kind of make sense. It's a more enjoyable experience, I think, too. I love watching these movies. I'll definitely watch them again. Yeah. So it's going to be a recommendation for the movie for me. Go out and watch these films if you haven't already. Well, and just the actors, too, are able to... The chemistry in these films is phenomenal. Yeah. Like, they're well written in the book, you know, I think. But, like... I don't know. They're just brought to life so well by the actors in these roles. I agree. That just makes it so fun and entertaining to watch. <laughs> so that's like another thing that the movie captures so perfectly. So now that we've decided which one we prefer better, can we rank the films, all three films? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of our favorites? So, boy, this is tough. I think, and we've kind of like talked about this briefly yeah. amongst ourselves before, I think we both agree the first movie is maybe still the best. Yeah. It's just like so cute and like kind of laugh out loud funny in some scenes. Yeah. Too. It, it, it feels unfair because I don't necessarily think it's the better film. Uh, it's I think just like the most lighthearted and fun. Yeah. I love where the other movies go. Like I think they explore the relationships, you know, in a more uh, serious way. Yeah. So I think that. It's a great evolution of the story. Yeah. But if you're just going to like pop one in, that first one is just so, like you said, laugh out loud and like enjoyable. That yeah. That would probably be the one I'd go to first most. That's my favorite too. But out of the second and third one, what do you think? Well, it's hard to say because I've only seen the third one once. That's true. And I have seen the second one twice. But I really hate love triangles. Yeah. Like, I really don't like them because um, I feel like they either make both of them out to be good and then you feel bad or one of them clearly sucks and then you're mad. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a really because like John and lose, lose. like Josh in the first one kind of sucked. Yeah. I did not feel that bad for him. No. Uh, but John Ambrose, what a sweet baby. Our sweet jam. Our sweet jam. <laughs> and he's just like dropped like a sack of potatoes. Yeah, I felt really bad for him. I did too. I still do. Yeah, so I might prefer the third one because I mean, I think it's a little longer so and it drags maybe like a tiny bit, but I do like that we're not dealing with like a classic teenage love triangle. Although it is I, it is funny, though, because it is a love triangle in a way. Cause it's oh, between Laura, the schools? Yeah, well, I mean, it's Laura Jean and the school she wants to go to and the school that Peter's going to. Slash yeah. just picking between Peter and this school. Yeah. So it's still that, like, <laughs> dynamic again. Yeah. But just in a more uh, abstract way, which is kind of funny to think about. Yeah. Uh, I think every movie is better than every book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think this was my least favorite book, though. Yeah, it's hard to say. I, I felt like I struggled through this one a lot more than the other two. The first one, I was really mad at Margot and like her dad and like other things that happened. That was like really frustrating for me. Yeah, there were frustrating moments like that. So that's a factor, but... Yeah. I think plot-wise, this one just felt so meandering. It did, definitely. Uh, but 
at a, between the second one and I, I it's it's tough. It's to, almost impossible. It's tough to, to order the them. books without having like just read them all. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I do think the third one's my least favorite. Yeah. And every movie is better than the, every book. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do a lightning round? Yeah, let's do lightning. So first up for lightning round, uh, they go bowling in a scene on a date. It's where they end up, you know, running into Peter's dad. Yeah, in the movie. Uh, in the movie. And I, I kind of alluded to this earlier when I mentioned, like, the movie references to other movies. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when they go bowling, it's kind of a Big Lebowski reference. So, like, there's a lot of, like, you know, nods to the Big Lebowski in this scene. Uh, but the one is that, like, Peter, when he goes up to bowl, does the whole Jesus thing, <laughs> who's a character in the Big Lebowski. Yeah. And he kind of has this very iconic scene where he, like, passionately, like, bowls the ball and after getting a, getting a strike he does like a dance and it's like really absurd and it's very iconic and funny but that character in the film is a pedophile yeah like they talk about it like a lot in the film like that's like the whole character's thing is that he's a pedophile like a registered sex offender so when peter's doing this yeah i'm like okay it's funny in The Big Lebowski, but is this the character that we want to be emulating, like, in this film? <laughs> Once again, like, point. an allusion to a film where the context of that film and character is... is maybe not something you want to, like, reenact? No, exactly. <laughs> I just felt like I didn't mention it before, earlier, so I wanted to bring that up now. Yeah. Uh, next for Lightning Round. So in the book, Largine visits Stormy the old woman from the retirement home who is super great. And she's like, okay, Largine, you're going to prom. I'm going to lend you this one diamond I have and you can wear it. Like it's a diamond ring for prom. Like, you know, so you take it, you wear it to prom. Then Stormy dies. Yep. And Largine's like, oh yeah. And then I wore it to prom. And I'm like, did you ever give it back? I thought Stormy just gave it to her. No, I think she lent it to her. Oh. Like, she was like, you can wear it for prom. <laughs> oh, shit. I think she was supposed to give it back. And and maybe she does, but there's no mention of it at all. No, no, there definitely isn't. <laughs> and, like, if she gave her a diamond ring, like, that would be, like, huge. Well, that's why when, in the book, when I thought that she gave it to her, I'm like, that's a big gift yeah and like Largine doesn't seem like that no yeah which is, makes me think that she lent it to her yeah which makes sense and then never gave it back <laughs> and then she, she died just like, and she's like mm-hmm. boink and just like puts it in her pocket <laughs> this is mine now it's a really good point uh something for the book I wanted to mention is you know this book deals a lot with like the ending of you know your senior year in school yeah and all the things go along with that senior trips graduation prom prom. but the thing that really like struck me the most was like the smaller moments Mm -hmm. and kind of like the description of like the winding down of the days and kind of like just not really anything going on at school yeah and specifically the part when she's cleaning out her locker kind of just really got me thinking about high school again yeah because i was like that's something that in movies and books too We've experienced a thousand graduation scenes, Mm -hmm. a thousand prom scenes, like all those main big cliche moments. But like cleaning out your locker, Mm -hmm. like that struck a chord with me as being something that I hadn't thought about 
in years, but I was like, man, that is kind of a really hit you right in the nostalgia. It, it, it really did, and I just kind of <laughs> I kept daydreaming after that about like just trying to think about things from high school again. But I don't know. I just thought that was like something unique to kind of talk about and highlight in the story that I don't think often is, you know, in high school stories. Yeah, definitely. Uh, last for lightning round, I just want to give a shout out to Lucas, who's another side character who kind of pops in and out in these books and movies. But, you know, we know that Lucas is gay and we know that he's like kind of out, but not really because of high school. And he's looking forward to getting out of high school and mm-hmm. living his dream and his open life um, in college. And we find out in the book and movie that he's going to Sarah Lawrence and that he'll be close to New York City, so he'll be there all the time. But it's really sweet in the movie because Lara Jean's going to be in New York City, and so he's like, I'm going to come down to the city all the time, and yeah. we're going to like hang out and party together. And on top of that, when he went to prom, he went with a date. Yeah, that was so great. Which just makes to... me think that like he did find some sense of like being out in high school. And like even though that's never like openly acknowledged, like it is a progression from him from the first book, first movie where he was like, I'm not really out. Yeah. And also just kind of saying about like as, you know, being gay in high school, like there's not a lot of options in like yeah. the dating pool. And so to just see him like get to go to prom with someone, not that like, oh, that person was like, yeah. you know, uh, his boyfriend or, you know, like significant other or anything. It was just like, oh, that's like really sweet that he got to go with someone and enjoy prom. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Lucas. Yes, I love Lucas. <laughs> Great character. That ends it for lightning round. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, for going on this journey with us. Through all the boys. Through all the boys. We went through all the boys. <laughs> <laughs> They're all done. <laughs> I'm trying to think, though. Besides Harry Potter and Twilight, have we done three of any series before? I'd have to think about it. I would, t- yeah. But, you know, there aren't many series that we do, so getting to do one about a rom-com yeah. is pretty cool. Like, yeah. this doesn't happen every day that we get, like, three solid adaptations in a row of something like this. So exactly. It's very cool. I really love getting to talk about these. It's been fun. It has been. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, leaving us a star rating or even a review is a huge help. Uh, it really just gets us more, uh, you know, visibility on that platform. Yeah. Uh, well, you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, all those platforms. Go to CoverToCredits.com for links to all of those. We're on all those sites. We're you can, everywhere. You can also support us on Patreon, and we appreciate everybody who does so over there. We have a really great community of patrons, and everyone who supports us on Patreon at any level gets access to our bonus episodes. Um, there's some other content over there for patrons as well. So shout out to all our patrons. Thank you for supporting us. Um And thank you so much for listening to this episode. Yeah. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.